Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today, my co-host, Corey Walsh for the Sword, along with Fear the Sword regular Mark Schindler. How you doing, Mark? I'm really good. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm psyched to talk some calves. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm Damn doing good, man. <laughs> Corey, um, I don't know about you, brother, but both of these teams' futures seem to be very bright, especially after the recent uh, the recent acquisition of all of the players. The Indiana they just they completely just cleaned house. I feel like so, Mark. Man, I kind of wanted to ask you and get your thoughts on this. So, post trade deadline, how are you feeling about the Pacers? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think I probably defer a little bit from from where a lot of fans are coming at. Um, me and Caitlin Cooper, who are my co-host over at Indy Cornrows, um, awesome writer too. If you guys aren't, aren't aware, definitely keep up with her work. Um, I, I like so going out and getting Tyrese. I thought was great. Um, like extremely awesome young player, a lot of upside. I mm-hmm. probably am not quite as high on him as I think consensus has seemed to be. <laughs> um, like I think he's going to be a very good player with potentially All NBA upside. But I don't, I don't, I don't know if. Uh, I think a lot of it got made to look like Sacramento, like did like the worst thing of all time and i, I didn't that's see it what that it way. seems like people are yeah. suggesting um, i'm not there like i think domas is an incredible player he's a better player right now i think he will be for some time still um so i got it on that end as far as the pacers actually trading him i wasn't expecting that at all um like i know that it had been on the table um but they were going to demand uh, literally a king's ransom and they got it um <laughs> so as far as that went i mean i couldn't fault the value of the trade um I think my bigger questions are just going to be, are they actually going to rebuild? Because um, by all indications, they're not going to, which is run counter with what they've said they want to do. Um, They said they want to become a contender and um, get to that level and and stop being a, you know, like a one and done, you know, just uh, easy out and or tough out. This is what they always say. Um, And this is not meant like as as Halliburton slander. It's more just rest of the roster. Like I think if you're exchanging Demonis Sabonis, for Ty- Tyrese Halliburton to mm-hmm. um, to 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 reset your core for two or three years from now, then okay, I'm in on that. If you're making that trade to go back to being in the playoffs next year, which they've come out in multiple interviews since, like Tyrese came out on uh, NBA Today before the All Star break and was like, "Yeah, you know, this has been a setback year for the team. We view the playoffs as our goal next year." Um, Kevin Pritchard's come out and said that as well. Rick Carlisle said that. So it's just like, it's a lot of mixed messaging for me, and I'm not <laughs> sure what to make of it. That's fair. I think what Halliburton in the 11 games since he's arrived is putting up 19.2, 4.9, and 9.5 and assists, and he's shooting over 51% from the field. Mm-hmm. But it is a small sample size, and it hasn't necessarily translated into a ton of wins since uh, he's come over along with Buddy Hill and company. Corey, what are your thoughts on the Pacers' future? 
the Pacers to me are just so interesting just because of their three headed monster. They now have it with their guards. I mean, they got buddy, they got Brogdon and they got Halliburton. And like Mark said, you can't like, it seems like they want to stay competitive. So I guess they're going to try to keep that group together. But I also heard that they were like, there was like some talks that they were thinking about moving buddy. And then they just decided maybe they'll move him in the off season. So Mm -hmm. hopefully that will also turn into something else for them. But at the same time, like, as we saw, even in that Cavs game, when those, like, even when two of the three guards are shooting efficiently, they have a pretty very, they have a pretty good offense overall. And all three of them can be creative offensive guards. I know Brogdon's probably like the least creative offensively of the group. Still a hell of a defender though, man. Yeah, and Buddy, when he gets hot, is easily like could be one of the best shooters in the league. But as we know, he's a very hot or cold shooter. There is no in between when it comes to Buddy Heal. <laughs> oh man, what about the Smith, Jalen Smith? Man, how you feeling about him? Yeah, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the uh, that guy, but he's been really nice. Like he is, uh, I think he's made some real strides from when he was in Phoenix. Um, like the, the shot has been legit, which is the, the whole thing that unlocks his game for him is yeah. what he can do off the bounce. If that shot's going, um, I still think just overall feel wise, he's not really there. Like he's not an awesome passer and it's more about like just decision-making in general. Like, I mean, like, like we see with the Cavs all the time. Yeah. I don't need him to run my offense, but can you make the right decision with the ball in your hands? If you get closed out on it and you can't, you can't make a drive. That's a work in progress right now. Um, okay. like a, a definite work in progress. The defense, to be fair to him, this team, I think they're 30th in defense since the trade deadline. Like they're abysmal on that end. Um, but he also was not helping either. <laughs> um, so I think he's been really interesting. Like he definitely has shown a lot of prospects, but I think in terms of like somebody who's ready to impact winning basketball right now, he's not there yet. Yeah, I said to Mac in uh, the post game podcast we did after that that I was going to come into and be like, man, Jalen Smith was like a nice uh, storyline for this game when it was like the third quarter and he was hitting some shots. And then the fourth quarter in the last two minutes, it kind of turned into the Jalen Smith like two minute warning. And he was just going yeah. nuclear offensively. But like you said, he also almost made that pat like entry pass out of bounds right <laughs> towards the end of the game. So he definitely like he's a roller coaster right now, but that's way more. <laughs> that's, than we were seeing. that's the best way to put it, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's way better than what we were seeing in Phoenix, where they didn't even feel like he was good enough to renew that third year of his contract on this rookie mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I was joking around in that post game live about how every single time he seemed to pull up from range, it just felt like it was going to go in. I don't, I don't. This is something weird about that night. Pacers were shooting very, very well, and we know that they can put up points, man. Uh, it's those speedo goggles. I'm telling you, <laughs> dude, I, any player who wears goggles gets an automatic bump for me. Yeah, I, oh. I, like Wendell Carter Jr. Yup. Um, Where's Grant? Think of, Diamond <laughs> of Shields who plays him in the W. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's awesome. Gotta love goggles, man. Yeah. That extra attribute boost. At this auto Porter. Yeah. Something. I mean, shit, I even forgot auto Porter. Like <laughs> auto Porter was cold, man. Look back like 16, 17 wizards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's got some game and whatnot. So if you're just sitting here evaluating the roster as a whole, do you think heading into next season, because I'm sure they're not done. I'm sure there's going to be more retooling that's going to occur over the offseason. But could you solidly say that this team, you know, based upon the the offensive production they can put up, and we have to believe that guys like Halliburton will probably take yet another step forward. um, Do you think they have what it takes to compete in an Eastern Conference that seems like it has just – increased its level of talent tenfold like i don't know this this eastern conference is stacked right now yeah i don't want to rule anything out but 
I think part of like, and again, it was less like frustration, more just like uh, trying to, and, and like you're, you're getting at it right away. Like this, this Eastern conference is really good. And obviously injuries will always play a part and can, can change up what a core future of a team looks like yeah. as the Pacers have learned. Um, but my issue is more like, okay, even if everything goes right for this team next year, let's say TJ Warren resigns and he's back and he's healthy and he's starting cool. He's a really good player. But then again, I, you just can't really bank on him being healthy. He's played four games in two years. That's he might, insane. he probably will not play again this year based on everything that like, there was no update on him recently. Um, Miles Turner, really good player. Uh, so you know what you're getting there. I, I mean, I guess you can reasonably expect some improvements throughout the roster, like Chris Duarte taking another step. Maybe Tyrese takes another step after the offseason. Isaiah Jackson has shown really good flashes, but he's still very, very raw as a player. Um, their bench through and through needs more balancing. They really don't have any wings. It's a lot of combo guards and forwards and centers right now. And just like, I, I like Dwayne Washington, man. You know? Dwayne Washington is <laughs> interesting. He's pretty much like you said about buddy. That's Dwayne. Um, and he's not the same level of shooter as buddy. So it makes it tough. Like if he, if his shots not going, I just, it's very hard for him to add stuff, but I, he has had some really nice flashes this year too. But my thing's more like, okay, if you have that core together, and yes, maybe you're adding a draft pick. Um, like that's a playing team. Um, like I don't think that that team is really cracking any higher than if things really hit right. Like maybe this seventh or sixth seed, you know, depending on how things go throughout the rest of the conference. But like you mentioned, like Toronto, it's only going to be better next year. Um, Boston, I mean, they look like even like even when Boston has a down year, like when they were down earlier this year, they were a better team than, than Indiana. Um I mean, Cleveland is like, I feel so much better about Cleveland's future than Indiana's just being frank. Like, I mean, because of Evan, like Evan is just, uh, I mean, he's the best prospect since Kyrie. Um, And I honestly think there's a chance that a non-zero chance that he becomes a better player. I do too. Historically than than Kyrie Irving. Like he's just that good. Um, Yeah. And that's not Kyrie. Like Kyrie was awesome, man. Like even those casting just sucked around him. So there's not like a lot to take away from that. Um, You don't like Dion Waiters. I like Dion Waiters. (laughs) Alonzo G. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget, man. Actually, the the first game that I went to post LeBron was a a game where Kyrie sat. So it was a Jared Jack, Dion Waiters starting backcourt. I sat eight rows up for like $40 and the same ticket was like a grand the next year after LeBron came back. But yeah. Um, yeah, point being with the with the Pacers roster, I think that they have some nice uh, uh, some quality there. Um, but in terms of what the overall all timeline is like, you know, if they want to be competitive, I really just don't see it in this next year or two. Like, I think this is something where I would really like to see them focus on, on development. Not that they can't be competitive. Like, obviously, you want them to be competitive. But um, I do think finding ways to prioritize getting younger uh, younger talent with maybe a little bit more potential on the roster would, would be ideal for them. Okay. Let's, let's shift focus here a little bit and talk about the Cavs. You know, we just saw the two play. We, I believe Cleveland has sweeped Indy this season. And, yeah. you know, I take nothing away from that just because those, those teams, you know, the, the, the talent level at this point in time has shifted. Um, there's been so many different acquisitions on both teams side this year due to injury, uh, due to just changing plans. And so with the uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers this season, you've seen the rise of Darius Garland. And, you know, whether or not people consider, you know, Colin Sexton's absence as playing like a huge factor in that or not, we've still seen him, you know, go through significant growth. So if you're just analyzing this, this Cleveland Cavaliers roster uh, from top to bottom this season, do you think that they have a realistic chance to compete for a title 
uh, in between the next one to two years? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I, I don't want to say I'm not sure. Cause that sounds like such a cop out. <laughs> I think title is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out necessarily. Like I think, okay, let's say Karis really meshes well. I think he, what he's, he's only played what five games for the Cavs or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like th- four or five, like right around there. And, um, I wasn't super high on the trade. I got it from like the from the cast perspective, but just I'm probably a little bit lower on him after watching him in Indy for a while. But um, we did see some positive signs, so I, I I like that. I'm really just I think so much is going to depend on what happens with Colin because even if uh, like I still believe a lot in Colin Sexton, I think that there's been people who've been like way too quick to throw that out the door. Like he's been a really good player. I know the, the the beginning of the year, like if you just look at the box scores really rough, but I thought he made real improvements. Like um, he was playing the best defense of his career, which again, that's not a huge, huge bar to clear, but <laughs> it was noticeable. Like it was very noticeable how yeah. much better he was defensively. Um, he a lot to of it up felt his like, like facilitation too. Like he yeah, really I felt like to get his vision involved. started to improve a little bit too, and he was really working to be more of an off-ball player. He looked really good playing off of Ricky and Darius. Um, so that's like, I mean, a lot's like, okay, what the hell happens with his contract? <laughs> because he is, I mean, I don't like just talking about guys as trade assets, but like, I mean, his name's been thrown around, um, and I feel like that's something that's going to come up again in a few months. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the cast keep him, but that's a big falling block with there. Um, in terms of where this team is headed. But I will say just with what Darius has done, um, I was talking about this with some friends the other day, um, or actually maybe just yesterday, but just in terms of like pro comps for him, like I think he's kind of on like the same trajectory as somebody like Tim Hardaway, like a guy who's like a five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA. Like I don't – you, you want to be like, oh, like Steve Nash, but that's like way too high of a bar to put for somebody like who's in their second or third year. Um, but I see him like being that kind of guy who can be – a real um, somebody who is leading a championship caliber offense. I think that's possible for him. And a lot's just going to depend on Evan's growth and how that goes the next year. Um, so I, I wouldn't rule it out for them. I think they're more like conference finals and see what happens from there, but that makes you a contender. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's completely fair in this East. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Mark to shift from one, also a uh, potential all-star guard to an actual all-star <laughs> guard uh, with Darius Garland. I don't know if you saw that, um, that article that came out a few days ago where the anonymous scouts were saying that Darius is not in the same tier as some of the elite guards. Like I think they, re- they, they referenced Ja. I believe they also referenced Trey young in that same article, but I wanted to get your opinion that um, do you think, that Darius belongs in that top tier of young guards, or do you feel like he at least can be like a focal point of a playoff offense? Or do you think his size and his athleticism at some point is going to limit him too much? So it's actually really funny because I feel like <laughs> this, uh, this comes up a lot in terms of talking about his size. I don't mean you just in general, like um, he has like quietly been pretty solid defensively this year. Like I don't, I, that's something I've meant to write about, but I've just never had time to, but like, he works his ass off to be a non-negative in the defense. And that counts for something like he's pretty quick. He's not, obviously he's not strong or whatever, but I think he's really active with his hands. He's like, regardless, he's going to test out as a negative on defense. Like there are going to be playoff questions, but um, I do think like just, okay, you can find situations to put him as a, as a chaser off the ball. The Cavs are really good at scram switching him. And he's like very active at making sure that he's not getting his ass kicked on defense. So I think that counts. Um, As for the actual offense, like I said this on a pod, not that 
Oh, I guess it was long ago, but <laughs> he's already one of the top 10 passes in the NBA. Like, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just because of the assists, like the actual technicality on ball placement and everything is like nutty with him. Like he is such a good passer and that matters a ton uh, to me, at least like, especially with looking at how this roster is built, like that's essential. And I think part of like, people will complain about the turnovers, but like part of that too is like Jared and Evan are just like, a given that they're going to drop one pass and turn the ball over each of them. <laughs> yeah. a game. It's uh, as good as they are. Like it happens every time. Like he just throws some like ridiculously quick passes. Um, I think, I guess the questions you can get down to is more like, what does the individual offense look like in the playoffs? Um, a lot of it's just going to like, what's hard for him as a player is that so much is going to be relying on shooting for him and just like what it boils down to in a more condensed setting um because he's such a pull-up reliant player like just everything is very reliant on jump shot. Yeah. yeah so it's it's a much harder diet to live on and i think i saw i don't remember who put it out but somebody had out something about like oh you know like darius look at how often he drives and he doesn't get fouls i'm like well because he never goes to the fucking rim man like <laughs> i'm not trying to be rude but like he doesn't get like and it, it, again that's another thing i want to write about because he puts pressure on the rim but he just he doesn't get there so it's really hard to find that balance of, like can i can I toy with not getting to the rim and not really getting foul calls, but still being super impactful? And I think he's done that this year, but there's definitely me questions about in the playoffs for sure. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, um, the reason mm-hmm. I mostly asked that question is because like we're seeing this year with Darius and it, like in years past that he, like he is a little, he has an injury bug to him at some yeah. points, the rest stretches. <laughs> That's of I'm nice worried about the back, opinion. man. Like yeah, my back fantasy team and, and real life too. But yeah. uh, You and me both. He's been riding my injury list for <laughs> like stretches of this season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's killer. <laughs> but, uh, Darius is back combined with, like you said, he doesn't like to attack the rim as much as like he, he, as well as he finishes at the rim, I feel like he could attack it a lot more, but with that, we all know playoff basketball is way more physical and the way that defenders are going to attack him is going to force him into situations where he's going to have to use his body a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like over time, that's going to beat him down to the point where he could just become a completely different player four games into a series where he's going to become more gun shy just because he doesn't want to pull like uh, damage something that could easily be re aggravated from t- taking a layup with the wrong hand pretty much. That's tough, man. I think that that also says a lot about the surrounding pieces too. Like the Cleveland obviously is missing Colin in that regard. That's part of the reason I know we talked about this on the last pod. It's part of the reason why Karis LeVert acquisition was so important because he is another option that the defense has to focus on. But uh, we have seen guys take Darius out of his element from time to time. And I do worry about that come postseason time. But for right now, I'm taking it a day at a time. But this back issue stuff, man, I don't know. Yeah, back issues. Uh, it's It lingers and it's brutal. And I feel like there was even that time in the Pacers game, I said to Mac, like in the third quarter, I felt like he was kind of grabbing at it for a stretch and i was like oh my god if we get if we get darius back on the injury list just because he wanted to <laughs> score a career high against the pacers hunting for a lottery spot then this is just like a jb being a mad scientist for like the fifth time this season yeah it's uh it's interesting too just in talking about the offense because what's so uh like i don't know this this offense is so weird to me because i think they're like 20th on the year right around there and they feel better than that in some ways. Like, obviously, part of it is buoyed by how good they are defensively and getting on transition. 
But um, like they just have such a funky brand that is really difficult to play against. And I think part of why I'm excited about the playoffs is I want to see how how defenses try and prepare for that because they really can catch teams off guard. Um, it's very unconventional. Which is, yeah, which is having that amount of size, and it's not just size, like actual skill. Like people can clown Lowry all they want, but like he's capable of making the right pass. He's able to put the ball in the deck. Um, and same thing with Jared and, and Evan. Like it's just. Uh, I mean, as we saw with him uh, in the Raptors game, Evan hitting that fucking three was just like, yeah, <laughs> the flashes he just randomly has out of nowhere. Awesome. Like he'll just like pull through them skill. Like what the fuck, man? Like, where is this coming from? And that's why, I mean, I'm so excited about him, but um, like, like you mentioned, things can really bog down in the half quarter times. Um, and like a lot of it is just, okay, we have three big guys. We're going to have Darius run around until somebody can get him the ball and see what happens. And like, and then the then the other things like oh well sometimes Chetty's out there too and it's like I do think part of it's hard because this this is a very defensively stunted roster for sure, um, but again that's why it's so important to see what happens with with Colin and making that work because um, they need other offensive outlets like as as much as I've loved Isaac and how he's been able to adapt and become a guy who I think will be really good in playoff basketball mm-hmm. like he's worked his ass off to just become a positive in the offense or at least a neutral. Um, they need him to be a lot more than that in the coming years. Like they need him to be somebody who can be at least a shooter that guys are going to close out on and somebody who can run more, more, more ball screens. And part of like, I mean, we saw earlier in the year how much they tried to force feed some, some ball, ball screen offense through Isaac. And they just deaded that like 15 games in the year. They're like, okay, they're just going under you on every single fucking screen and you're jacking up a three, which I think what's hard is like, that's the, I mean, essentially it's the right response because you're either right. taking the shot or you're passing out, you make the defense care or move on. Um, but they had to remove that from the offense because it just was not working. Um, and they need that to be something that's going to work. Otherwise it's a lot harder to envision how Isaac fits in moving forward, which is a whole other conversation. Do you but, think his draft status will factor into how much time they give him to develop? Um, I don't think it should. Like, I think it's a good question because I do think it, like, I mean, if you draft somebody fifth overall, yeah, it's going to factor in. Um, but I also think, like, it's tough because he does all of the things that are really hard to to get somebody to do well. The intangibles. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, like, it, it sounds corny, but, like, it's a very real thing. Like, okay, him just being a legit awesome offensive rebounder at his size with very timely stuff, really good connective passer, who can handle the ball. Like he just does just enough with all the things that he does and doesn't have that it works. Um, but again, it's more like, okay, well, when this team is a 55 win team and they're trying to be an actual title contender, what does that look like? Um, and it's especially yeah, it's, in the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But not a lot of people remember that like a wasn't a starter when the season started pretty much. They were trying to do what they did with Jetty at the beginning of the year. It's like, all right, let's confine you into a box. And Rubio let's changed let you- all that, man. Rubio changed all that. Cause they wanted to have the ball. I feel like in Isaac hands more, but the offense just, it flew a lot more, you know, natural with Rubio on the court. Well, even with Sexton in the starting lineup too, like that also just took, Okoro and further shrunk him. I feel like his role has been slowly expanding as every injury has gone down. And then with that comes with everyone's expectations being like, oh, well, he better start covering some of the holes that Rubio and Sexton left behind. I'm like, you couldn't <laughs> be talking about two completely different archetypes for players yeah. <laughs> for between Okoro and Sexton and Rubio, especially like offensively is it's a completely obvious. I mean, 
we didn't like we say this like every episode. I feel like, but Okoro's offense, it, it's uh, it's raw to to put it politely. Yeah, that's very polite. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's not that we drafted him thinking that's the type of player we were getting. We knew. I think Okoro's been exactly what I would have expected probably two years in. I didn't have astronomical expectations. I think people also forget that that draft class was historically supposed to be one, like one of the worst ones in the past twenty years. When you got past the top three picks, everyone's like, now it's kind of a crapshoot, and we'll see what happens. And I think Okoro, in terms of that draft class, is still, if you had to redo it, I would, I don't remember all the names off the top of my head right now, but I would still probably say he's in the top 10, top 12 of his draft class. Especially for what Cleveland needed. They needed like the defensive capabilities that he brought to the table at the time. It was. Pretty, uh, pretty clear fit, in my opinion. Anything mm. you got from an offense, you knew from a developmental standpoint, it was going to take some time. It's still obviously going to take some time, but they certainly needed him as a defensive presence out there. Uh, yeah, for that- sure. Um, Mark, I um, I was wondering, so like you talked about, we've been talking about this postseason success for this Cavs team. Uh, if you were the, like, say in round one, you're the, the you're I don't you, you can be whatever team you want in the league. What would you scheme up defensively to make the Cavs as uncomfortable as possible in that first round matchup? Because you know this team is prone to being uncomfortable in pressure situations <laughs> thus far in the season. Yeah. Um, I mean it's a good question, man. I think what's been really difficult too is that like unlike a lot of uh teams that kind of go on this trajectory of like absolutely surprising the hell out of you, like they have blitzed some of the good teams they played against. Like, I think they've beat Milwaukee twice this year. Um, I know there was one game um, where they just, like, absolutely shit on Milwaukee at home. Um, but that was a weird game, too. Like, to be fair, like, Milwaukee never really looked like they came out super ready for that game. Um, I think they were coming off back-to-back. Not to excuse it. It's still an important win. But, like, I don't really know what to take <laughs> from this team. Uh, and that's, what, again, like, that's what makes it interesting. Like, I think – to me, a lot of it would be, and I think I've said this a few times this year, like a lot is going to come down to Lowry like in the playoffs, in my opinion. Like he's the guy that teams are going to say, okay, shoot it. Like make us care. And um, that, to, to be to be honest, like he's been solid this year. Like I think he's really done a lot that's been important and made the team work. But I also think they need quite a bit more from him, if we're being honest. Like when we're getting to um, – more of the playoff setting. Like he, again, he's been better after he had a really rough start to the year. He's been a lot better since then, but he's still only shooting what 34% from three on volume. Um, I do think as things kind of uh, taper off and change up, teams will look more to be like, okay, can you shoot it? And like, I mean, again, to be fair, 39% in 2022. um, But okay. When we chase you off the line, what happens? Because I still think like he's much better making it. If he's standing on the perimeter, making a pass, I think he's pretty solid. If he has to put the ball on the deck and then make a pass, it's a little bit different. And I'm interested to see what that looks like. Like, okay. If a team, like let's say the bucks, if they play the bucks, which I mean, that actually is a very feasible first round matchup. Um, if drew holiday is just ball denying every single thing with Darius and making it so you can't initiate through him and you have to go through somebody else. Like, they can make it work, but it's not going to be pretty. How are they going to win minutes when Darius isn't on the floor? Because that's been a like a lot, a lot again, a lot's going to be relying on what does Karis Levert look like when he is back? How does he integrate? Um, so I think that's what it's going to come down to. Like, um, who is the fifth guy and how are defenses going to, to to punish you for playing them? 
Yeah, I've been th- saying pretty much for the last two weeks to Mac that my major concern watching all of these Cavs games is that the minute the ball is out of Darius's hands, everyone looks like they're trapped on like a deserted island offensively. They're like, wait, so the how is the ball going to get to me if Darius isn't controlling it the entire time? Or it's like because we I don't I don't feel like I feel like the Cavs have a lot of connective tissue players, but they yeah. don't have a lot of initiators on the ball. Like if all they need they did, is Corey, <laughs> these damn injuries, man. That's all it is. That's all it boils down to. <laughs> I know. It's like as like point jetty is really cute from time to time where you're <laughs> but like, it's oh also, man, look, we I can't have imagine that in the playoffs. <laughs> Like, can we Jenny in the playoffs? Out. Has any player 180 as much between two seasons as Chetty? Like, I literally watched Chetty last year. I'm like, not sure he's going to be in the NBA that after the contract. And then this year, he's like, he's not six man of, of the year, but he's been awesome. Like, he's been like legitimately very important for the Cavs. Um, Him and Kevin Love. They've, yeah. They've honestly made in, in different aspects. They've kind of transitioned. They flipped the switch. Kevin Love more so from a mental standpoint and public perception of him in Cleveland, I feel like. And we know from like an on court standpoint kevin love can still ball in uh in, in decent spurts of minutes you don't want to overplay mm-hmm. it but who knows what will happen in the postseason he's probably going to see more even more time uh with jetty uh his complaint and confidence has completely shifted and they simplified his role and you know they, they're not asking him to do too much when the time calls he may get point jetty he may play that role you know i love that scoring <laughs> <laughs> But it's uh, an experience. <laughs> yes, as, as much as I hate to admit it, yes, it is. And the Cavs' lack of initiators and facilitators can be directly attributed to all the injuries that they've had to navigate. I mean, they lost Colin early on, and they still made it work. And they were doing okay with Colin. I think, every, like as Mark alluded to earlier, I feel like he was really legitimately, from a box score standpoint, he was not – you would not be able to tell it. But if you watched – the games for what they're worth, you saw a legitimate improvement for him. And then when he went down, Rubio took an even bigger role within the offense. Uh, the offense, and it, 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 there was a flow to it. And then after losing him, you transitioned to implementing Rajon Rondo, and we've seen him miss some time. It's just injury, injury, injury. That's all it is, man. I wish it would just be a different position at this point because I'm really right. tired of it being just the guards that Darius desperately needs to give his back some minutes of rest. I mean, for yeah. God's sakes, I don't need RJ Nemhard minutes at all at any point during the season. Brandon whatsoever. Goodman has been a nice surprise. Uh, you know, I feel like that's that's somebody obviously that they're probably not going to be able to count on in the postseason because he won't be eligible unless brought on. Uh, but I feel like he's been a, a decent surprise and. In terms of like injuries and surprises, I just want to ask Mark, what are your thoughts on Evan Mobley at the center position? What was your takeaway from that? Um, I'm very excited about it moving forward. Like I was, I was a fan of it. Um, I'm interested again. I think part of uh, it's not like a one for one comp, but like kind of like we've seen with um, Giannis in Milwaukee this year. Like Giannis is still like I. Probably would vote him defensive player of the year this year, although Evan is on my ballot. I will let you know. Um, Evan, like he's been. That Does he deserve year. to finish in the in the? All, I think all I would. People? I would probably have Evan Mobley in my top five for defensive player of the year right now. He's been okay. that good for me. Um, but what's tough is that I think a lot of his best attributes are when he gets to be roaming. Like very again, very similar to Giannis. Like Giannis is playing a lot more center now. He's been incredible in drop and just as a good defender overall. But like. 
his best attributes are getting to cover ground. Like that's what makes him so ridiculous. Like I wrote about that earlier in the year, like having Jarrett be able to be a primary room protector, be mobile in his own right, allow them to switch actions. But more importantly, like, okay, being able to play a three, two zone with a seven footer out on the perimeter and not having it like absolutely blow up in your face is insane. Like a lot of what, has worked in Cleveland this year is because of Evan and how talented and ridiculously skilled he is. And just like the, the attributes he has, like his ability to like the the amount of times where he's just like kind of come from like 15 feet away and just blowing up a play at the rim. Like that's what's, that's, what's going to be different about him playing center moving forward. And um, so that's where it gets like a little bit dicier. Cause I, I, I still trust the guys on the team to make the rotations, but like, okay, guys making quality rotations and Evan Mobley making a 15 foot, you know, running block is like, that's a, there's different levels. Like that's, that's what changes where you're at as a team. Um, so I still think it's good. Like I'm interested just to see more of it. Um, cause I I don't know what to take away from from just one game. Um, especially because like the Pacers are like not a good litmus test for anybody right now. Cause that is just (laughs) the whole, it's like playing OKC. Um, but I'm, I'm intrigued moving forward for sure. And I do think there'll be some really interesting opportunities to do more, um, you know, as a face-up guy, like, because okay. I would love to see a lot more of, of Evan as a face-up guy. Cause we've seen like, again, like I think those were his best flashes as a creator come with him taking the ball off the dribble. And I think we saw more of that um, earlier this year. I'm trying to remember who was, I think it was like the, the stretch when Darius was out, he got a lot more creation reps and it wasn't pretty, but like you just saw more <laughs> of it. And I think he's going to have more opportunities to take some slower footed guys off the dribble, um, which I'm excited about for sure. Yeah, when it comes to Evan, I'm always excited to see how the team tries to expand his shot profile because I feel like he he uh, he definitely tries a lot of different things, which is more than you would think a player that with his confidence would seem to do offensively. And I said I was I said to Mac in the last episode I feel <laughs> I like he could about to say <laughs> I feel like he has times where he could kind of develop like I see a, a uh, his ceiling offensively having like a Joel Embiid type shot profile but obviously he can't he's I don't ever expect Evan to get that body build at any point in his <laughs> yeah. life unless I would start testing him daily for, for enhanced <laughs> drugs but you uh, wouldn't be the first person testing him yeah <laughs> but um, I think any t- any opportunity for Evan to grow offensively and expand that ceiling that already is so high, I just think is a huge benefit for this Cavs team. So I said to him, if there was one positive to take away from Jared Allen being out for probably the rest of the regular season, it's to see how much Evan Mobley can grow more comfortable because he's already had two 20 plus point back-to-back games Mm -hmm. in Jared Allen's absence pretty much. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty exciting to see how that's going to expand defensively. Like you said, though, he's going to, it's going to be a lot more taxing on him because he doesn't have Jared behind him getting ready for defenders to kind of hesitate more when attacking the rim. Now he can't be the free safety of the defense that we've been seeing pretty much throughout the entire season. <laughs> that's fair. I, I did you the one takeaway from that game after one game is very clear to me. And I said, it's time to trade Jared Allen. <laughs> <All season. laughs> uh, joking, obviously, but the Cavs are getting ready to head into a pretty rough stretch of games you got Miami coming up tomorrow that is to me that that does scare me a bit uh it's going to be highly dependent upon whether or not what what the hell is happening with Karis LeVert are we going to see him on the court anytime soon or not uh that said Corey I just want to ask man what is your confidence level heading into that game (sighs) they're coming off two man they're coming off two straight wins 
Yeah, they're also coming into a gauntlet of Miami that no matter how many of their soldiers seem to fall, they just rise up like the freaking wa- right? the White Walkers of Game of Thrones and just keep moving forward. Uh, Miami's going to be really tough for this Cavs team, I think, honestly. I think that they're a team that always is like firing on all cylinders. I think it doesn't matter who's even playing because Spo just finds these dudes in the G League <laughs> playing they for like the night. In. Yeah. Uh, like it's insane. Like the three point shooting is always seeming to be there. Uh, Butler is going to probably do uh, Butler is the toughest matchup for this Cavs team. I mean, Okoro is probably going to get matched up with him at various points in this game, but Bam has also low key been the best player on this Miami team this year. And if Mobley is just basically going to put all this effort in to help like containing Bam without Jarrett there, I feel like they're just going to keep pounding the paint pretty much throughout the entire game. Well, if it helps, I think Butler is a game time decision. So maybe we won't see him. Hopefully not. Uh, with that <laughs> said, Bam, he still prevents, uh, presents a very unique challenge uh, to Evan Mobley and company. And they're going to have their hands full. Um, I think Evan Mobley, you've seen him at points be able to be exposed a bit uh, by more physical centers, more physical, beefier guys out there. But he's held his own. So we'll have to see. I don't know. His mindset is probably going to have to shift a bit with the position change. But uh, we, we truly don't know, man. It's just so many question marks with this. That's I mean, Dean Wade's the point, too, because, like, his issue has never been to me, it, like, anything in the post. It's more like like mm-hmm. we saw with Joel when they played. Um, if somebody can take him off the dribble that can get their shoulder into him, I think that's when he can really struggle. Like, I've felt, honestly, he's been pretty fine in the post. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he can get knocked around a little bit, but he's so good with his timing and hand placement. But the second that somebody's able to, you know, face up from 16 feet, get into him, and then get their shot off is mm-hmm. going to be interesting. And especially like Bam is very capable of doing that. So I'm interested to see what that looks like. Indeed, yeah. yeah. The, the defensive drop off from Jared Allen to Dean Wade is an intense. <laughs> he tries, man. Hey, I, I'll pull up the clips of him defending Jason Tatum from earlier in the hey, year. Hey, I, I have no, <laughs> I have no qualms with J, uh, Dean Wade defensively from the perimeter. But the minute that he, the defender steps inward, yeah. I'm like, oh, jumping, okay. jumping, <laughs> ask other than like ask. the one poster dunk he had is like, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask of him to be out there and replicate some of the uh, some of the dominance that Jared Allen has had. But you know, we here at the uh, the Premier Dean Wade podcast, we're never going to take cheap shots at him because we wanted to come on. Uh, that said, there is a significant drop off, but the Cavs have seemed to be able to make do. Uh, we're probably going to see some wonky rotations here to close out this season, especially with the uh, acquisition of one Moses Brown, who I'm very interested to see because he has, to me, some untapped potential. And I know it's only a 10-day contract that they signed to, but I'm very interested to see what this guy looks like uh, playing with Cleveland in this three-big lineup. Yeah, it certainly will be nice to have another body at center besides Ed Davis, who I thought was going to have the whole season be him clapping from the sideline <laughs> next to JV, just constantly or like mentoring the young fellas. But nope, instead, we're getting some serious Ed Davis minutes. That it's dude not is putting- terrible. No, it's not terrible. I just was not expecting him to like, he yeah. was like the, I think they signed him the day before the season started. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, Ed Davis is going to be here. And everyone's like, what? Why? Because <laughs> it's yeah. like everyone was thinking this Cavs team was going to be a basement dweller again for the foreseeable future. And then you bring in a veteran just because. So it he's didn't one of the veterans, the few veterans on the team with postseason experience, too. That does help. 
a bit. Yeah, but we got playoff Rondo now, so those minutes are gonna <laughs> log, log themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I I don't know from from Moses Brown aspect. I don't know if you've seen a ton of Dallas or you know more recent games for him, but he he has some untapped potential in my opinion. I feel like there's something there that they can utilize. I feel like JB is pretty good at putting guys in good spots, and DG is certainly capable of getting this guy some looks in the post, some lobs. We'll have to see. I mean, it is only a 10-day. I mean, the Cavs have done a pretty seamless job over the past few years of bringing in these centers that were their stock was pretty low and bringing them back up to a reasonable level. I mean, JaVale McGee immediately comes to mind for me immediately. L.A. was like, we don't even want him. You can pretty, well, pretty much – <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. Well, <laughs> if we're going to bring back Bynum too, is that, is that a point you're going to try to talk about? You know it. Yeah, I want Andrew back. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's so he's still in his prime technically. I think he's like twenty eight or twenty nine. So if you Man, want buying him back, know. you can have him. Those are those were tough years. We are just Very completely one eighty from that, and nobody really expected them to be in this good of a position this early. And so, you know, for me, you know, we talked about this. It's all about uh, perception, and it's all about how what your what were your goals for this Cavs team heading into the season, and what were theirs? Like expectations have fluctuated uh, with with pretty much every every moment this season, every single game. I feel like there's some positive and negative takeaways here, but from an overall standpoint. I mean, I couldn't be happier with this team. And depending upon how things finish here uh, to close out in the remaining, what is it, 18 games? Um, it's all gravy, man. I mean, I've already gotten uh, a season's worth of joy out of this team. It's it's just been insane. But the real question is, were you more excited about the Karis LeVert trade or are you more excited about the Luol Dang trade? <laughs> Back when that happened. Because I remember oh. I was pretty ecstatic, honestly. <laughs> were you really? Oh yeah, is, I was like, because really I was were. in the mindset, I'm like, we are not losing another focal point of this franchise. Because Kyrie was like, kind of flirting with like, yeah, I'm probably gonna bail. Honestly, I want to play. With Next, Gordon you're gonna Hayward, tell me so. you were happy about Spencer Hollis. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, yes, God. let's make a push. <laughs> God, I hated Spencer Hollis so much. Oh man, <laughs> his well, numbers was... were not terrible though in his stretch no. with the Cavs. No, I mean, same, same can be said for a lot of those guys. As we uh, as we talked about earlier, Jarrett Jack, as Mark pointed to, is he didn't have necessarily terrible statistics with the Cavs. CJ Miles, he had some very fun games. Alonzo G, there's those OG Cavs teams, man. There were some some fun games to watch, but overall, it was it was a stinker. <laughs> if Rocket Mortgage ever makes an Alonzo G night, I will be the first person to buy a ticket. <laughs> He had some dunks, man. That's that's about it. But he has some dunks. He should have did the dunk contest. He was one of my all-time favorite 2K players. He's one of those players Same. that, for some reason, was like ballistic from three-point range, and I could yeah. never. Yeah, no, I, his shot was like un. It, it was unbroken in the game, totally broken in real life. <laughs> never forget too. Carrick Felix was a guy. Sergi Karasov. Those were the days. Those were the days. That being said, I just want to take this time before we head out of here to point out when we reach that 300 subscriber mark, we will go ahead and send that all-star edition Darius Garland jersey to one of you lucky subscribers out there. Also, if you want to be a part of the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Please rate and review the podcast on whatever medium you're listening to and send proof to itscavalier at gmail.com. That being said, thank you again to Mark Schindler for appearing on the It's Cavalier podcast, and you guys have a good night.